We're going to go to 2 Peter chapter number 1 in your Bible tonight as we continue on in our series of sanctification, becoming more like Christ. Appreciate the music so very much. Thankful for their testimonies. <clears throat> Excuse me, of their willingness just to follow the Lord and trust the Lord. 2 Peter chapter 1. If you find that, if you'll stand with me for the reading of the Word of God in honor of His Word, if you're well able to do that. And we'll try to get right on into the message tonight. Second Peter chapter number 1, and verse number 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me, but he that lacketh these things is blind. And cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Well, <laughs> we're in part three of you have to do what you have to do. Let's pray and we'll get going. Father, thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you for this wonderful Bible that we have before us. And we're thankful that you give us direction. And Lord, we're thankful, truly, that you have set us apart to be used for your honor and your glory. And we pray that you would help us as we know more about your word uh, to just further separate ourselves from the things that would harm our testimony and uh, not bring you glory and separate ourselves unto you, uh, Lord, a God that wants to use us and guide us in everything that we do. Father, we pray for your power one last time, <clears throat> for boldness of the Holy Spirit to just say what needs to be said, that you'd take this outline and make it a message, uh, Lord, that you would meet with us tonight as only you can. Father, we need your help uh, without a doubt. We need your help, and we ask these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please do be seated. <clears throat> well, we've been in this for several weeks anyway. We know that uh, we are to add to our faith virtue, where the faith is the faith that God gave us to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And so we add to our faith virtue. Well, what's that? Well, it's basically, in a nutshell, it's just a willingness to please God. We have to have a willingness to please God if we're ever going to grow in our Christian life. If we do not have a willingness to please God, we're not going anywhere. 
I mean, if we're holding him at an arm's length from the very beginning, there's, I mean, we are stuck right there. We have to have a willingness to please him, remembering that he is the one that sent his only begotten son. He is the one that made the way of salvation through his son. He is the one, he is the one that can help us and guide us in all things as we allow him to do that. So we have to have a willingness to please him and to add to our virtue, knowledge. Well, knowledge of what? Well, knowledge of the word of God, knowledge of how to live a godly life. I mean, I mean, we take knowledge and we use it in such a way that it benefits us. Whether No, no, well, no matter what we're doing, you go to a university and you pick up all this different knowledge and, and then you know how to use it as the years go by. Well, it's the same way with this book. You get saved by the grace of God. You have a willingness to please God. You begin to pick up the knowledge that God has for you so that you'll know what to do to please God and live a godly life. And so we have to have this knowledge. We have to know what God would have us to do. Saved out of a life of drug addiction all those years ago. I had no idea what the Bible said. I had no idea what the Christian life was all about. I had to learn that by getting into the Word of God and allow Him to speak to my heart and guide me along the way. That's why we should be in Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night service, all the special services. We ought to, be, we ought to, be, we ought to meet together with the people of God every opportunity we have that we can learn more about what God would have us to do. Uh, godliness, holiness, where God is trying to get us to, it requires separation from sin and worldliness. And that includes moral purity. We need to be morally pure, verbally pure, relationally, uh, relational, relationally pure, and recreationally pure. We need to be willing to live a clean life in the eyes of God. That means that we're trying to live a clean life no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, no matter what the setting is, no matter who we're around. No, no, if we're alone, we're trying to live a life that's pleasing to God. If we're with a big crowd, we're trying to live a life that's pleasing to God. If we are at the workplace, we're trying to live a life that's pleasing to God. If we are around people that don't care anything about God, we are trying to live a life that is pleasing unto God. It's very important that we get that down because if not, we get pulled by the things of this world. We get pulled by peer pressure. Pretty soon we find ourselves in a place where we're more concerned about what people think about us trying to live for God than just living for God. And so we have to be willing to separate ourselves from sin and all the world and this and all that. But that takes temperance. Temperance is required as we take knowledge from the Bible and we begin to apply that to our everyday lives as we begin to live it out. Temperance is that willingness to do what we have learned. We have a willingness to please God. We gain knowledge of what God wants us to do. Now we have to have some temperance. We have to be willing to practice those things that God has taught us from <clears throat> his wonderful word. We need to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. It is so very important that we are. You know, life itself is a wonderful gift from God. And I'm so, so thankful that he is the giver of life. And although sin has corrupted much that is in the world that we live in, God is still holy. He's still a holy God. And he says, be ye holy for I am holy. I mean, he wants us to attempt to do that. Excuse me. He's given us a lot of gifts to enjoy, or God has. Everything that is truly good that has been given to us, it's been given to us by our Father that is in heaven, and it's intended for enjoyment. James chapter 1, verse number 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift come from above, uh, is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights with him with whom is no variableness and neither shadow of turning. So God is a giver by nature. He's just a giver by nature. For God so, get, so, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we would have nothing at all if God did not first give it to us. 
And we have great needs in this life, don't we? Come on, as we go through this life, we have great needs in this life. And truly, God has supplied what we need to meet every one of those needs in a way that is perfectly suitable for whatever particular need that we have at that time. Pardon me, verse 3 again says, According as his divine power had given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And so that God is consistently and eternally good is evidenced by the lights he has created. The sun rises every day, gives us warmth, warmth gives us energy. The stars shine at night in a sleepless vigil over our lives. And he's not like the light of the moon that comes and goes. He's infinitely and eternally good in everything that he does, all that he does. But unfortunately, sin has a way of distorting and corrupting God's gifts. Um, in ways that become harmful to our lives. We think, about, we think about sex, which is a beautiful gift within a marriage, and it's turned to lust and fornication and adultery. We think about the wonderful gift of speech that God has given us where we can communicate, but it can be corrupted into hatefulness and lying and, and flattery and profanity and even blasphemy. That which God has created for our pleasure can be used in ways that can never please God. We have to be careful about this. God has given us many good gifts for this life, but every one of them can be polluted and transformed into a trap that becomes a stronghold, or they can be turned into a lust that can enslave us, or they can be erected into an idol which uh, may become more important than God in our lives if we're not if we're not careful about that. And that is why Christians must live in this world with knowledge of what God would have to do and temperance. But that's a challenge. It's a challenge each and every day to live the life that God would have to live. One of the biggest challenges faced by every generation is the requirement. Now get this. One of the biggest challenges faced by every generation is the requirement of making godly choices Godly decisions in matters that are not specifically addressed by the Word of God. Sometimes these are referred to as questionable things because there's not a specific command in the Bible prohibiting their practice or their enjoyment. I remember somebody asking me one time as I was just trying to talk to them about the things of God. Well, where in the Bible does it say that we shouldn't smoke cigarettes? Give me a verse that says we shouldn't smoke cigarettes. I mean, they were looking for a verse that said, you better not light up one of them camels, whatever the case man. I mean, they wanted something, but the principles are there. And so we have to, no, no, no. We always take the Bible as a whole because the principles of these things are there. And so we have to be mindful of what God teaches us, the knowledge that God is giving us, and we have to be willing to listen to what God would have to say. Just because there's not a specific command in the Bible prohibiting some certain practice or whatever the case may be does not mean that God's going to be happy about it. And so what I want to think about tonight is, is how do godly Christians make decisions when it comes to things like that? How does a man or a woman, boy or girl who is striving to be like Jesus and everything, every part of their life answer the question, well, should I do this or not? And truly, it's good to think about those things because those things will come about in our life. And so we have to be prepared for that. And so I want, to give, I want to give you five truths, five truths. I want you to remember these five truths. Number one is the sufficiency of the Bible. 
The Bible is God's written revelation to man. We know that's true. Come on, this old King James Bible is God's perfect, inspired, <coughs> infallible word for the English-speaking people. Amen. Absolutely so. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. I've heard it, you've heard it, anybody that's tried to talk to people about the Lord have heard it somewhere along the way. Well, well, that old archaic book just written by a bunch of men. Oh, no, no, it was pinned down by God. It's a God-breathed book. No, no, it is the very words of God. God gave us this book. Every word of this book is inspired. And we have to take it as such. We have to remember that this is his written revelation to us. This is by no means everything that God knows. This is everything that God wants us to know while we're living here on this earth. That we might live the life that he would have us to live. And we know that the Bible is the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. John 17, 17. Sanctify them uh, through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Proverbs chapter 30, verse number 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God. There are a lot of people that are trying to live for God without, without feasting on the word of God. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of people that are trying to live for God without ever getting into this Bible. But I'm telling you, we are, you're not going to live for God the life that he would have you live for God if you are not in his word. We need to partake of it every single day. It is spiritual food. It does give us strength. It does give us guidance. It does give us direction and we need to be in it. John chapter 8 verse 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I'm so very thankful that this Bible has set me free from so many different things along the way, and continues to do so as we just trust in it. There's no realm of life that falls outside, get this please, there's no realm of life that falls outside of the jurisdiction of the scriptures. None at all. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. The word of God, the word of God should direct every part of our life. Every part of our life. No, no, no. If we're wondering what to do or what not to do, we should go to the word of God. First and foremost, to see what God has to say about that very thing. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Second Peter 1, 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this in world in this world through lust. And so we have the word of God. We can depend upon the word of God. The Bible is an all-sufficient guide 
for discovering God's will, God's will in every matter of life. People say, well, I don't, I don't know what God's will is. In the Bible, it will show you what God's will is. The re- no, no, his revealed will is there. His will is for everybody to be saved by his grace. His will is for everybody to follow in scriptural baptism. His will is for everybody to join a good Bible-believing, teaching, preaching, I'll go ahead and say it, Baptist church. His will is for everybody to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. His will is for everybody to get in the Word of God every day. His will is for everybody to pray every day. No, 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 it goes on. His will, his will is to give the way that he would have us to give and that goes on and on. But I'm telling you, if we will begin to do the things that we know that we should do, that the Bible just says very clearly we should do, he will begin to show us all those things that he wants us to, wants to do with our lives. He will reveal his perfect will to us that we can follow him all along the way. We're talking about five truths. Number two, the ultimate purpose of life. The ultimate purpose of life. We're, we're, we're talking about why we should why we should take the word of god why we should allow it to guide us along the way we need to think about the ultimate purpose of life as believers first corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do do all to the glory of god everything that we do as believers we should do to the glory of god everything we do as believers we should do to the glory of god 2 Peter 1, 3, according as his divine power had given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that had called us to glory and virtue. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, what? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. John chapter 8, verse 50. And I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Are you beginning to see it here? Everything that we do is supposed to honor and glorify God. Everything that we do is supposed to lift Him up. Everything we do is supposed to show the light of the world through our life. We are supposed to be the salt of this earth. Everything we do should honor and glorify God. No, no, no. We're talking about making decisions about what we should do or what we shouldn't do according to the Word of God. And really, if we take scriptures like this, we pretty much need to understand that we shouldn't do anything that would shame God's name. We shouldn't go anywhere that would shame God's name. We shouldn't act in any way that would shame God's name. We shouldn't allow anything to come out of our mouth that would shame God's name. No, no, no. We are to bring him honor and glory with our lives. Romans 15, 6, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, everything that a Christian does reflects upon God because we are God's child. So everything that, no, no, everything that we do, it reflects on God. And everything Christian does should aim at exalting God in the eyes of others. <clears throat> Psalm 21, 13 says, Be thou exalted, Lord, in thine own strength, so will we sing and praise thy power. A.W. <clears throat> Tozer said this. I thought this was very good. Be thou exalted is the language of victorious sp- uh, spiritual experience. It is a little key to unlock the door to great treasures of grace. It is the central in the life of God in the soul. 
Let the seeking man realize a place where life and lips join to say continually, Be thou exalted, Lord, and a thousand minor problems will be solved at once. His Christian life ceases to be the complicated thing it had been before and becomes the very essence of simplicity. When we look at our life, and, and as, as when we look at our life and we say, everything that we do, we want to exalt the Lord. Be thou exalted. Be thou exalted in my speech. Be thou exalted in my actions. Be thou exalted in every part of my life, every part of my home, in everything I do. Come on. Be thou exalted in all of my thoughts because he does know our thoughts. Be thou exalted in where I'm at, who I'm with. All these different things. When, when, it comes, when it comes our purpose in life to exalt God with our life, pretty soon then it's not hard at all to make decisions uh, against anything that would not exalt the Lord. Well, preacher, but that just makes us look kind of weird to people, doesn't it? Oh, sometimes. But why are we worried about that when it's God that saved our soul? Why are we worried about that when it's him that wants to guide us when it is him that has the best interest in our life. Why are we worried about something like that when the life that God has for us is 10,000 times better than anything this world has to offer? Why would we be concerned about things like that? I'm telling you, the only reason that we would is because of our own pride. I'll say it again. The only reason we would is because of our own pride. Because we don't want the people at work to think we're some kind of religious, a religious nut. We don't think, want our family to think that we care more about God than we do about them. But we are supposed to care more about God than we do about them. Somebody go ahead and say amen right there. It's absolutely the truth. Come on, he's got to be first in our life. I've been married nigh on 43 years. Pam and I decided a long time ago that she would keep God number one and I would keep God number one. Uh, she is number two in my life. That's a great big, I'm telling you. But, but she, you know, you know what I'm saying, honey. I know that she's watching me. <clears throat> and, and, and I'm number two in her life and I don't care about that because I know that if she keeps God number one, our marriage is going to continue to go and grow and everything's going to be good. We put God first in everything that we do. And when we decide that our life is supposed to be thou exalted, when, when, when our purpose from the time that we get up to the time that we go to bed is to exalt the Lord with our life, I guarantee it makes things a whole lot easier when it comes to making hard decisions. Should I do this or should I not do this? When we put God first, those decisions become a lot easier. We're, we're talking about five truths. Number three, our accountability to God. And this is something we have to think about. It seems like a lot of Christians like to act like God's not watching. Like he's not keeping a record. Like he doesn't really care what we do after we're saved. Now a lot of people seem to have this mindset that way. But we are accountable to God. Romans chapter 14 verse 11. For it is written as I live saith the Lord. Every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. So we will give an account one of these days. I'm thankful because I'm saved by the grace of God that I never have to answer for my sin. 
very thankful for that. But I will give an account to God one day for my Christian life. What I have done with the, with the abilities he's given me, the opportunities he's given me, all these different things. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 8 says this, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be, uh, uh, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all, listen to this, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Well, preacher, I can't wait to get to heaven. Me too. And I mean, I look forward to that time that, I mean, when my time's over here and I get to go be with him. But don't forget about the judgment seat of Christ. No, no, no. We'll stand before God one day. We'll give an account with what we've done and what we have not done. We will give an account one of these days for what we have done with our Christian life and how we have done it. There will be an account given one of these days. Come on, that's what the reward's all about. I, I just want a crown. Give me one, just one, just please. But let me be faithful to the end just so I can get one crown. Something cast at his feet. But that's what that's all about. Man, we, we need to decide that we want to please him. We need to decide that he is watching everything. We need, to, we need to realize that he is keeping record of what we're doing or what we're not doing. He's keeping record of all of those things. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And that's absolutely the truth. And so we have to think about that. God has given every man a free will, the liberty to choose how he's going to live in this world He's given us that free will. I've said the other day, I think I said on Sunday that, you know, free will, it's a curse and it's a blessing. We have to be careful how we use that. Every Christian possesses liberty of conscience. What do you mean, preacher? The freedom to choose what his conscience dictates is right and pleasing to God in all matters of faith and life. We get to choose that. So we better make sure we're choosing in according to the word of God and what God would have us to do. Because this liberty is never justification this liberty is never justified for disobeying the Bible. It's, it's never justification for disobeying the Bible. No, no, no. The liberty that God gives us does not mean that God will approve of every choice we make. Well, I have, I, have, I have liberty. Yes, you do. Absolutely so. You have a free will. Yes, you do. Absolutely so. But it doesn't mean that God's going to approve of every choice you make. The liberty means that every believer has the privilege and responsibility to decide for himself the will of God for his life in accordance with his understanding of the Scripture. What the Scripture has to say. No Christian has the right to decide what is right for other believers based upon their personal uh, uh, convictions. Now, I want to say that again because it's very, very important. No Christian has the right to decide what is right for other believers based on their personal convictions. God works on us as individuals. No, no, we should, all of us should take the Bible as it's written to us because it is written to us personally. But I'm telling you, God works on us as individuals. And I'm, I believe we'd see God do a whole lot more if we let the Holy Spirit do His work and not try to be the Holy Spirit. We listen to God and do what God would have us to do if we're doing what God would have us to do. We don't need to be pushing that off on somebody else because God has convicted us about that. God has a, has a way of just speaking to us as individuals, doesn't He? Decisions we reach should never become a source of pride. Decisions we reach should never become a source of contention. Well, I don't know why you don't do this this way. Well, maybe God hasn't dealt with them yet, or maybe they haven't given in to God yet. I'm telling you, no, 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 no. We're not supposed to be trying to run other people's lives. We're supposed to be allowing God to run our life. 
And if we're doing that, we're going to do, we're going to do a lot, we're going to do a lot better. But with this liberty is given as it's given the certainty that God will hold us accountable for the decisions we make. We will be held accountable. I have a free will preacher. I can do whatever I want to. Yes, that's absolutely the truth. But you'll be accountable to God one day for what you do or what you don't do. Okay, number four, said five truths. Number four, are our, our influence over others. We're talking about why we would make decisions based upon the word of God. <clears throat> our influence over others. Romans chapter 14, verse 13. Brother Andrew, could you turn that air conditioner down just a little bit, would you? Romans 14, verse 13 says, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. See, there may be things that are permissible to do, but God may not be pleased that we do them. How come, preacher? Because of, because, because of their influence over others, over other people. We're supposed to prefer others. Is that not right? And so some of the things that we don't do, we should be willing not to do them if it's going to be a bad influence to somebody else. God requires a script, the, come on brain, God requires a Christian to live carefully and charitably with three goals in mind. Number one, to not be a cause of stumbling to his brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not supposed to be a stumbling block. Number two, to not be the cause of an unbeliever turning from Christ. And number three, to be always a source of spiritual encouragement and edification. That's, supposed to, that's the way that we're supposed to live. And so we have to be careful that we're making choices that won't turn others away. That we're making choices that won't corrupt somebody else. That we're making choices. Well, I heard old, I heard old Fred over there. Uh, you know, he does a little cussing now and then. I guess it's okay for a Christian to do that. No, it's not. I'll say it again. No, it's not. Filthy words should not come out of a believer's mouth. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. No. But I'm telling you, people are influenced by us, aren't they? Somebody say amen right there. It's absolutely the truth. We have to be careful that we're doing those things that are going to help people. We're talking about five truths that help us to walk with God. Number five, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I'm so very thankful that 37 years ago, this past April, that I called upon God and he saved my soul and the Holy Ghost of God moved in and he's never moved out. No matter where, where I've been, how I've failed him, what I've done, he has always, 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 always been there. He's always there for us. John 16, 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. I'm very thankful that after I got saved and started reading the Bible, that the Holy Spirit of God helped me to understand it. Oh, no, no, and he will. When you're saved by the grace of God, you can open up the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit of God will help you. He will illuminate the truth because He's the one that wrote it through these different men. Galatians 5, uh, 5.16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if we're following the Spirit that lives inside of us, no, 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 hit, uh, uh, stay with me here. <clears throat> Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how God works, truly? You get saved by God's grace, and, 
And he will guide you into all truth. Isn't it amazing how, how when you start to do something that God wouldn't have you to do, that the Holy Spirit would say, you shouldn't do that. Now, we have to make the decision whether or not we're going to listen to him. Because of what we talked about a few minutes ago, that free will. And many times we need to make the decision that quick, don't we? Oh, come on, come on, come on. You need to close that. You need to turn that off. You need to look the other way. You need to think about something else. Come on, on and on it goes. And I'm thankful that he's in there. I mean, in the smallest things, if we truly are seeking him and we want him to guide us that way, in the very smallest things, he will speak to our heart that quickly. But we have to be willing to take heed to what he says. And he will guide us into all truth. He will help us through all these things. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So we're asking the Lord, being filled with the Spirit in some, some spooky, weird thing. It's just allowing the Spirit to guide us along the way. That we're listening to Him more than we're listening to the world. That we're listening to Him more than we're listening to self. That we're listening to Him more than we're listening to the devil. Because the old devil, he tries to imitate, doesn't he? Truly. We have to be willing to listen to God, follow the Spirit. Every born-again believer has the Holy Spirit living in them and will help to guide them in the will of God. In dependence upon the Spirit of God, every Christian, every born-again believer can make spiritual decisions concerning God's will in all manners pertaining to their life. For sure, we know that. So let me wrap it up with this. Well, preacher, what do we do then? What do we do then? Ask these questions before acting on anything. We're practicing temperance, right? Come on, we want to do what God would have us to do. We don't, have a, we don't necessarily have a clear scripture. You know, don't light up that Marlboro, whatever the scripture. No, no, no. And so many other things. But there are questions we can ask. Let me just give you a few. I'll try to hurry through these. Have I honestly studied the scriptures to discover what God may have said to help me make the decision? That's a pretty good one to start. Do I really know what the Bible says about that? According to the things we've already looked at, number two, can I, can I legitimately do this to the glory of God? Can I drink this drink to the glory of God? Can I smoke this joint to the glory of God? Can I smoke this cigarette to the glory of God? Can I cuss that guy out to the glory of God? Can I really listen to this music to the glory of God? Can I watch this to the glory of God? Can I click on that page to the glory of God? No, I'm telling you, these are practical things that will help us to make the right decisions when we consider that God is watching over us. We have to think about things like, have I considered what others might think of God by the choice that I make? Uh, I mean, we have to think about things. Will it help or hinder my growth in becoming like Christ? Because we are. No, no, no. We are to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So is this going to help me or is this going to hinder me? Will this honor God? 
How about this question? Would I want to be doing this when I'm called to stand before the Lord and give account to him for my life? Would I want to be caught doing this? If the rapture happens, do I want to be taken up out of a certain situation when I'm going to meet the Lord face to face? I think this is a very strong question. What effect will my choice have on others? What's it going to do for others? Sunday night I said something about someone that had been in ministry for for, for some time and it was found out that they had been in an illicit affair for two years. And pretty much, of course, that's the end of their ministry, for sure. Pretty much the end of their family, the way it's looking. Not going to get to raise their own kids. Somewhere along the way, they quit asking the simple questions like this. Okay, if if I do this, no, no, no. If I do this, how's it going to affect others? How's it going to affect my wife? How's it going to affect my husband? How's it going to affect my children? How's it going to affect my parents? How's it going to affect my church? It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. Well, you know, but I mean, no, no. I had another phone call today about the same instance. Um, I mean, the same type of situation. Different people. Same thing. Oh, no, no. No, no. This man's going to lose everything. His wife, his kids, his ministry. It's gone. Because he didn't ask questions. How's it going to affect other people? Just concerned about self. and worried about anybody else. Now, that's a good question to remember, guys. Our sin, our sin doesn't just hurt us. No, there's a circle of influence that everybody has. You think about your own children. If I'm doing this, will it help or hinder their growth in Christ? And really, the Bible teaches us that we are supposed to sacrifice our own desires at times for the sake of encouraging a brother or sister in Christ or being a witness to the lost. We're just supposed to sacrifice those things we don't do. Another good question is, can I feel free to do this when I remember the Holy Spirit lives within me? Because He is in there. Can I honestly say I'm walking in the Spirit? Is it evident that the Spirit of God is in control of my life in this matter or not? When we ask these and other similar questions, it really proves our desire to allow God to direct the steps in our life. Come on, stay with me. I'm I'm winding down right here. It really proves our desire to allow God to direct our steps. 
Do we really want God to direct our steps? And if we do, are we willing to ask questions like this before we do anything with our life? These things demonstrate to others that doing God's will and honoring God's name are priority in our lives. I want him to be first. I mean, these are questions that God will use to help us make decisions that will certainly conform our lives to the image of his son. And that's the way we're supposed to all be headed. To be more like Jesus. And the more like Jesus we become, the more our lives will bring glory to God. A good rule of thumb for the believer in a matter of questionable things. Should I do this? Should I do this? Is this. No, this is a good rule of thumb. Um, when in doubt, don't. No, it's a very good rule of thumb. It truly is. I mean, really, that just wraps everything up in a nutshell of everything that was said, doesn't it? Truly. Well, God, preacher, why didn't you just say that first? Because I wanted to say all that other stuff. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is better to err by limiting our, uh, by limiting our liberty in a spirit of grace than to risk indulging our flesh in ways that may dishonor God or damage our testimony or cause a brother to stumble in his walk with God. It just all comes down to this. As individuals, tonight, Can you say that you're truly practicing temperance in your life? You're practicing that. Doing exactly what God would have you to do. Can, can you really say, no, 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 listen, I'm, I'm done. This is invitation right here. Can you say that you are practicing temperance in your life? Putting God first, let him, letting him make the decisions according to his will. And if you can't be, if, no, no, being honest with yourself and honest before God, if you can't, I would encourage you just to come tonight and just ask God to help you put that first. Lord, help me. Help me with these things that we've talked about tonight. Help me to practice temperance in my life. I would encourage you to do that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your Bible. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the guidance that we can get. We do thank you for our free will. It's a wonderful thing if we use it in the right way. And Father, I don't know how you may have spoken to hearts tonight. Certainly that's between you and the people you've spoken to. But we are going to open up the altar and just ask that your perfect will and way would be done in lives. That folks would respond according to how you've dealt with them, and that you give victory. Lord, that victory would be had because people make the decision to be temperate, to listen to you, to put you first, to walk in the Spirit that they'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Help us, Lord, as we continue to 
fast and work up to the time of our revival meeting to take these things seriously and prepare our hearts and prepare our lives for, for what you have for us. Lord, that we may, might better serve you and live for you. Bless this time of invitation. I pray use it for your honor and your glory. We'll thank you before we ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand to our feet for a moment. The piano's going to play. We'll not take long. Just let God have his way. We'll not take long. Just yield whatever God would have you to do. Maybe there's an area. You're just weak. Well, preacher, I'm just weak. God knows that. He knows we're but dirt. He understands that. He does. And he wants to help us, but we have to yield. We have to be temperate. We have to practice this temperance. I know what God wants me to do, but are you doing it? If not, why don't you come talk to God about it? Just drop your pride. Yield to God, whatever he wants.